Buffalo, stand up. It's the mafia. <laughs> uh, it's a Bill City. Yeah. A Buffalo Bill City. Yo. Uh, it's a Bill City. Yeah. A Buffalo Bill City. Yo. We got Josh Allen, got Step Diggs, we got Cole. Deion Dawkins, cause you know it's about to snow. Mafia, you know we on a roll. No competition and it's not even close. Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of The Folding Roundtable, the new show from Trainwreck Sports and the Buffalo fan base. I'm your host, Wake from Trainwreck Sports, the Cardinals podcast, and Trainwreck Fantasy Sports podcast. Find me on Twitter at Wake Jotkins. And before we get into the 53-man roster, how the Bills are stacking up against the rest of the AFC, allow me to introduce the fantastic people sitting alongside me tonight. Uh, first, in the middle, on the top row, you guys see him on the Cardinals podcast with me. Free money football, Trainwreck Fantasy Sports, founding father of the dart of the day, our guy Meerkat. He's on Twitter at Meerkat Cat. On the right, on the top, my main squeeze from the Crowdsys podcast. This is our second season doing it together, so we're excited to get into that. Also, was on bullet points tonight covering UB Wagner, and UB was up 14-0 after the first quarter, so tune into them. Yep, yep, horns up for life, baby. Sorry, not sorry, it's Kevin Masseri on Twitter, at Kevin Masseri. Next up, a little bit of a late addition to but we love getting as many people in here as possible. Great friend of Mookie Hawkins, and you might have heard those two on the radio together last night. Sean Vaccaro, SV the Don, he's on Twitter, at Bill's World. Uh, then in the middle there, Clay Troya from Buffalo Fanatics, film and film analyst. I can say that word properly, I promise you. <laughs> uh, on the right, Robin Mundy, Buffalo fan base editor-in-chief, godmother of Bill's Mafia. And on the bottom, God, I really, this guy just has the worst taste food ever but you know what he's he knows football kind of so we bring him in for those takes leave your Reese's takes out of here he doesn't like peanut butter and he's not allergic it's Ryan Sullivan sports rock two on Twitter guys it's fantastic to be here with you all a lot of bills to talk with the 53-man roster Robin you and I were talking a little bit earlier and you told me you were taken a little by surprise about the Jacob Hollister not being on the roster. So maybe talk about that a little bit to kick off the show here. Yeah. Um, I was a little surprised. I don't know what happened because I thought that he was slated to be right behind Dawson Knox, but he got injured. Didn't he? Wasn't he out? I think one of the preseason games Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if that kind of put him in the doghouse or what, but I did think it was interesting that they just outright released him, didn't even keep him on the practice squad. I'm not sure what's going on there. But I was happy to see Tanner Gentry on the practice squad because I think he's going to do a good job. If Cole Beasley goes down, watch out. Tanner Gentry has got hands of blue. Yeah, we've talked about his hands of glue before. And, you know, right. Meerkat, obviously, you know, we know that uh, Isaiah Hodgins also on the practice squad here as we have it up on the screen there. Also, Jake Fromm cleared waivers. I uh, was not uh, picked up by anyone else. So he's on the practice squad. Meerkat, when you're looking at the practice squad here, surprises to you, 53-man roster surprises, just overall thoughts. Because I missed the Crowdus' podcast with you and Kevin last night. Love to hear your take. 
So honestly, nothing that surprising me and Kevin both talked about it. They brought back all their own guys minus that 16 spot, which we saw them make a move for that tight end today. Fine. That's all right. I wish it was an offensive tackle because we're kind of missing that right now. But other than that, no major surprises. Keeping two QBs a little weird, but they must see value in from me and Kevin discussed possibly they have him in line to be the backup next year once Trubisky leaves because obviously Trubisky's going to move on. And Davis Webb, isn't that type of guy. They don't want him to be the backup quarterback. They want him in the quarterback room because I've been saying that he's going to be a QB coach, offensive coordinator once he retires. He's a great football mind. He's the type of guy you want around. Great relationship with Josh Allen. We don't want to lose those practice races uh, anytime <laughs> soon. So other than that stuff, nothing crazy. I mean, keeping seven receivers, even though, sorry, Ryan, we got Stevenson to the IR. Uh, the two tight ends, it made sense because – Reggie Gilliam was going to make this roster with how he's played and performed throughout camp. And even though he's listed as a fullback, he's really a tight end. He's an H back. Uh, I know Ryan and me have both made the comparison to scoring Dorn Dickerson. He's just going to be doing it all for them. So although Hollister did surprise me a bit, it makes sense. I'm happy for Tommy Sweeney. That dude's got glue hands. We're talking about glue hands. It looks pretty well post injury, injury post sickness last year, complications. So it's good to see him back. Yeah. And we talked about on the five, eight, five report last night, that there just maybe is a redundancy in Reggie Gilliam and Jacob Hollister and the fact that I think mm. Hollister probably would have also kind of played H-back, maybe a little bit less mm. of a blocking back. And you look back at Brian Dable offenses when he was an offensive coordinator as the Browns, even when he was an offensive coordinator for Alabama, he wasn't someone who featured tight ends. Even if Dawson Knox takes a step up this year, what's that ceiling in this offense? 400 yards? maybe 500 yards, even if he ups that catch rate, it's just not a position that gets a lot of yards. So when you looked at the other places that really stepped up on this roster, you know, I, Andre Smith came out and had a hell of a camp, had a hell of a preseason. Yeah, Tyrell Dotson, someone who it's clear that they're trying to develop. And when you just saw the stuff Reggie Gilliam was doing in camp and you saw that he could be a pass catcher and you can give him handoffs and he can line up in all sort of different places on the field that was just, even though Jacob Hollister was a rosterable piece, it was just a redundant piece that just didn't work out. It just didn't make sense to keep on this roster. And Clay, when you were watching film of the preseason, was there anything about Hollister's game that you didn't like? Maybe something that, you know, maybe you had a more keen eye for than, than you know, the average casual viewer? Because I personally liked a lot of what I saw. Yeah, honestly, I didn't see anything to be worried about really you know he, he when he was in there his reps were pretty good i mean it, it kind of it looks like he, he was a guy that definitely could have made the team so um it, it was a little surprising to see him go i thought they were gonna end up picking him back up once they got a couple guys on ir but yeah i mean he he looked fairly good now i didn't take a, a close look at him in his blocking game um it was you know i was looking around for everybody so i didn't really pay attention to his blocking so that could have been what did him in because uh sweeney and knox both are, are pretty good blockers um knox maybe not as much as sweeney but um you know those guys are, are can can do a little bit of everything and maybe uh maybe hollister wasn't so much of that kind of guy and Kevin, I know like on, on the cap, we have been, you know, vocally concerned about Dawson Knox taking that step. Can he be the tight end one for this Bills team? As hopefully we can keep Sean Vaccaro in here. I see he keeps dropping out. Uh, hopefully we keep you in here, Sean. Uh, but Kevin, uh, the, just does this release concern you whatsoever? I'm not concerned with Dawson Knox. 
personally, a lot of the great tight ends dealt with them early in their careers. And I'm not saying he's going to break out and be a Kittle, but he could be, you know, if we're going to talk it in fantasy football context, you know, a low end tight end one, like a, a tight end that's in the top third of tight ends in the league. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's a difficult one because I don't love love Dawson Knox. I think his drops come often and it happened in preseason this year. It's happened in camp. I'm it's difficult for me to buy in without any, uh, any plan behind him. Um, I mean, Kalai Waring behind, you know, that they just the third round pick who was by all accounts, the bills draft pick based on some things that we saw across Twitter today that they, their old intern had a graphic made for him at the pick and he went one yeah. slot up before him to Houston. Um, which was an interesting note that, that maybe they liked this guy a little bit more pre-draft more than Dawson Knox. Um, you know, he's bounced around to three teams now. Um, now he's on his, on his fourth already. Um, some of that's injury related. Some of that was just two teams in a matter of a week um, here, but he's an interesting guy to watch in the practice squad. He's the, he's the one member of the 16th member that they didn't, you know, we didn't have, you know, yesterday for the graphic that they just added. So it's going to be interesting to watch a player like him with, with third round talent already released. You know, if things went awry for Dawson Knox, that could have been him too. So, you know, mm-hmm. third round talent, I think I would love to have a consolation up here. Um, Tommy Sweeney, you know, hasn't, hasn't played meaningful football in a long time. Um, it's going to be tough for me to just put my eggs in Dawson Knox in the, one of the best offenses in the NFL. It's an important position. Travis Kelsey beat the Bills almost single-handedly last year in the, in the AFC Championship game. So it's an important position group. I don't have any a lot of confidence in Dawson Knox, so anything he brings to the table for me is, is bonus. But that's where I've been reading about Emmanuel Sanders being able to get into some of those zones, yeah. into some of those areas that a tight end would. So, you know, Dawson Knox is going to need to do a lot to really earn my trust and my confidence in big time and big time spots. I need more than just running over somebody after the catch. I need to see him be consistent, and I need to see him catch the ball um, and limit those drops. Yeah, and SV, I yeah. know you were oh, – sorry, Robin, go ahead. No, I was just going to toss in that I, I thought it was interesting that Nate Becker got cut too because he'd been on the practice squad for a while. And I think his replacement is Quentin Morris because he did stick on the practice squad and he's he was my favorite tight end in the MAC. He, he destroyed us um, at UB a couple of games, as I recall. Mm-hmm. He's a star. He was a star in the Mac for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's got he's got good hands. I don't know what his blocking skills are like, but I saw I saw some of his highlights, and I remember when he played against UB, mm-hmm. he was he was the real deal. So maybe they'll work on developing him as well. And one person that we've heard a little bit about, especially from Sean McDermott today, actually with skills is Devin Singletary, someone who people are starting to get more excited about as this, as you know, preseason has gone on. And I don't know if there was someone, but maybe, maybe between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, who Bills fans thought like the least of out of everybody that's on the team right now, especially after last year, Clay, when you're going back, you're watching, you know, film from last season. You know, we've talked about it a lot on the cap, but we're not really, we, we're not film guys and you are a actual film analyst, quote unquote. So, you know, were you were you uh you know was it offensive line was it they were just struggling as running backs it was probably a combination of both i'm guessing right yeah it was definitely both in you know it running is tough because you need all your linemen to be to be doing their job or at least doing their job well enough to 
to allow those running backs to get past that first line. And then sometimes, you know, a big problem that we have with our linemen, I don't understand it. Uh, they have a really hard time blocking linebackers. Once they get to the second level, they just they have a really hard time of getting in front of those guys and keeping them in front of them. So that was one of the things that was an issue. But then the running backs, you know, were also they had their flaws as well. You know, sometimes the vision wasn't there. There was a lane that they tried to go through. Maybe that's that that wasn't the best option for them. Um but uh, I mean, from a comparison from last year to this year, um, Singletary is the biggest change that I've seen from him so far is his explosiveness out of cuts. Um, last year, you know, he's always been shifty and he can always kind of cut on a dime. But after he does that, he's not, you know, he never really can get back up to speed very quick. And, you know, he usually can get tackled from behind at that point. So um, to, to look at him now, he's once he gets out of that cut, he is just exploding through it, um, getting back up to speed. And it looks like he's able to kind of carry his momentum a little little bit better than he was in previous years so that's kind of what i'm most excited about to see if maybe those small gaps that the line um, allows maybe he can skirt through them really quick and get to that second level mm -hmm. and sv i know you were on with mook the other night or just last night on the radio give us a little hint of what you guys were talking about what did you come away from that conversation thinking about this bill's roster yeah so just a couple of things i thought you know obviously the uh, releasing of the tight end only carrying two is I think it's it's fine. We obviously went D line heavy. Um and I think in this year where we really have a lot banking the season on getting to the quarterbacks like the Mahomes of the world you know later in the season, especially in the playoffs, I'm all for going D line heavy. Um the one thing that I thought was it was kind of interesting and I thought this was more of a compliment to Saran Neal that we only kept five cornerbacks. You know, I think that that says a lot that he's very multifaceted in that, you know, that Brandon Bean and, and Coach McDermott always like that position flex and the fact that we're only keeping five. And I, I kind of half expect us to maybe play, you know, maybe the first couple games and then maybe look at adding a, a veteran corner. I mean, I think those were the main things that we took away. But, um, you know, happy to see that we did keep those D linemen to keep that fresh rotation going, you know, so that we can get to the quarterback and hopefully be in the, maybe the top five or ten in sacks this year. Yeah, and obviously helping us, you know, get to maybe being in the top five or ten teams in sacks. Rousseau, Basham, obviously Bam Johnson traded away. You know, personally, my gut reaction to the Bam Johnson trade was really a six. That's it. I feel like that was a lot of people's first reaction. But it's one of those things you kind of have to think about more and seeing Lawson go for the same kind of the exact same compensation, a sixth round pick. You know, is there were any of you more disappointed even after kind of coming to terms with it? Or is it just, you know, there was a logjam at this position. Brandon Bean was vocal. He was on live television on NFL Network making his case. Hey, we have a lot of that. We have a lot of D linemen. We want to trade one of them. And we're getting calls. Like, mm -hmm. is, was the sixth round pick disappointing to anybody? Not to me, honestly. Uh, Daryl Johnson was a good piece. So he was coming into his own as a defensive end, although if he had stuck on the roster, he was really just going to be a special teamer. So to get a six-rounder for that, which I hope he thrives, given you know more snaps on defense and stuff, I think he can be a contributing pass rusher. But he's the odd man out if you want to keep Obata because you're not going to practice about Obata. Obata's coming off a very good yeah. pass rushing season, like efficiency-wise, very good. He gets to the quarterback. He can prove he does that. You're obviously not going to get rid of any of the young guys or try moving them to the practice squad. Epinesa, safe. And then that leaves Hughes and Addison. I think Hughes is a bill for life minus, you know, 
Indy trying to ruin him as a linebacker and getting him labeled as a bust before they, they took Calvin Shepard off our hands. But other than that, Addison, but who's going to want Addison's contract at his age, even though he's still someone who's going to produce for you? He didn't have a bad year last year. Mario Addison's not bad, although his contract's not great and him taking reps from these guys isn't great. I don't think we were going to move him. So Daryl Johnson was the odd man out, and you're not going to sneak him on your practice squad, in my opinion. So getting a sixth, mm-hmm. I- I'm cool with that. Gives him an opportunity to shine, too. He was nothing but awesome here. And, and I think at some point he had to, he had his chances to earn reps. This pass rush was yeah. not good last year, and he yeah. could have found his way onto the field, and he didn't. And at some point, you can be a great special teamer, and – that's only going to take you so far. At some point, you got to prove your worth on the field. And this is a roster that has a ton of special teams only guys. Saran Neal, mm-hmm. really a special teams only guy at this point. Tyler Matakevich, really a special teams only guy at this point. I think maybe in a world where Mario Addison's contract isn't borderline uncuttable, you know, maybe they could have, you know, it, he had that June 1st distinction because you could have spread it out a little bit. But he had a chance. He could have beat out F.A. Obata, his contract. You could have got out of that one as well, and he didn't. And I think he'll play, like Meerkat said, he's going to play a long time in this league. If you can play mm-hmm. special teams at a high level, you can play mm-hmm. a long time. Look at Tyler Matakevich. He's played a long – he's played made a nice career of himself. But he you know what? He got paid too. And he got paid. <laughs> but you know what? Tyler Matakevich is going to be out of here next year and go to somewhere yep. else on a three-year $3 million deal. Andre Roberts, elite mm-hmm. at what he does. He has to go take a job with the Texans. He can't stick with somewhere because you can only have so many of these special teams only guys. And I think you said it perfectly, Wake. And I think that's what got lost in this whole discussion that Shaq Lawson, who is a better edge rusher and better defensive end than Bam Johnson, we got the same thing. And, you know, I think that six round pick, you know, looking at this bigger theme, you know, looking at the bigger picture as Josh is paid, we're going to need those draft picks, whether it's going out and maybe getting a veteran cornerback who's, you know, on a, on a rental at the deadline or baby target or, you know, just getting more lottery pick or lottery tickets in the draft next year. And it's just something that I think it, it just made sense for this team. And I just, I don't think there's really any fault in it. Yeah, especially with the way that this regime uses their draft picks. Like, it, like Brandon Bean has incredibly high success rate. The first pick of this, you know, of since McDermott even came here was Zay Jones. And that's before Bean was here. So, like, you know, there's only so much that you can say about that pick, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just another lottery ticket, like you just said. I'll take them all day long. I mean, say what you want about Saran Neal. He's not a starting cornerback by any means, but that's a sixth round pick that turned into at least someone who can valuably contribute on a rookie deal for four years. Like that's, that's exactly what you want out of your draft picks, especially them late there. Um, But you did bring up the quarterback and, you know, it seems like in Buffalo, we've been facing quarterback controversy my entire life. And now we just (laughs) can't escape it. Josh Allen in a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. Okay. Why are people mad? Like actually, why? Like I, I found like Facebook groups can be, um, what's what's the polite word? Does anyone have a polite word to describe Facebook groups now? Um, overzealous. Over. Thank you, Meerkat. That's, that's, so that's a very word. That's a very good word. That's a very a little word. overzealous spell, at times. Yeah. I can't Kindly spell put. that word. <laughs> but you know, you see Josh Allen, you see him do that commercial, then you see his wife, girlfriend, uh, you know, posting. Bar- 
Arbel just right after. This is quarterback controversy in Buffalo in 2021. So let's all just take a moment, you know, just 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 be thankful for that right there. Because there are so many other things we have to be worried about this this team right now. Not so many. Really one, and that might be cornerback two. So Clay, Don't again, Kevin going. Film guy, and no, Kevin, stay muted if you want. <laughs> Play the film guy. You know, a lot of people, justifiably so, about going into a year with Levi Wallace and CB2 again. What should is it that bad? Is it that bad of a thing to go into season with Levi Wallace? No, definitely not. Levi Wallace is a solid cornerback too in the NFL, and uh, I will defend that point into my grave. Like he, I know people give him crap. Um, I, he's a pretty good corner. Like he stays on his man pretty well. Sometimes he gives a little bit too much separation, but when he does, his closing speed's pretty good. Um, I would say that that's probably his weakest thing, though, is was closing speed compared to Tredavious White. So when you look at Trey, like his closing speed um, when he gives any amount of space is um, is like nothing. So watching Levi's a little bit different. He's a little bit slower on that, but he has pretty good coverage. And you know he's not going to be a top 10 top 15 corner but like that's fine that's not what you need a guy opposite trey white uh you just need a guy that can go out there and handle himself in uh in most situations you know he might give up something deep here or there but his technique's really not that bad his hips are pretty good um and uh you know he's he's not as bad as people lead out to be he definitely is is not an issue and i was kind of you know pounding the drum for dane jackson for a little bit in the offseason because i did like a lot of the you know intangibles and inst instincts that he has but um levi wallace is is the number two and also just the potential i talked about it, i think last week either on this show or on the crowd assist podcast the potential of having danger manning that you know secondary like he did in pit together you know there, there's chemistry there that could be untapped maybe not this year but next year as we start to move on from eventually unfortunately micah hyde and uh and you know what tom cooper sure why not? Why not? Text me, Tom. <laughs> uh, but Robin, I know I saw you on Twitter earlier. Levi Wallace spoke to the media today, and you were just impressed with. I'm Levi. very just, impressed. Yeah. You know, this guy we call him Levi. You're never going to take my job, Wallace. You know, for a reason. He just keeps coming back. He's a journeyman. You know, I wouldn't put him. You know, his ceiling is kind of a very good corner but not a you know not elite by any means i'll tell you the guy honestly that i was most disappointed about losing today was nick mcleod mm -hmm. i was kind of hoping he would stick mm -hmm. i thought he looked pretty good in the in the preseason games yeah, I'll agree with yeah, that as well. When we were watching some of the film um, uh, this preseason, Nick McLeod was a guy that was standing out. And uh, yeah, I was, was a little sad when he got cut. I wasn't sure who that um, that extra DB was going to be. Um, but yeah, when he got cut and then scooped up, I was pretty sad about that one. Yeah, and, and obviously I think it was Elijah Griffin that made it to the practice squad. And, you know, he, he impressed too in the preseason, yeah. you know, for, for what he was. Um, but yeah, no, Nick McLeod was definitely some. That, that, that hurt to see go. But luckily, that's the only one we saw go. A lot yeah. of guys, a lot of teams like to, you know, bring back their own guys, keep their draft picks, you know, keep that continuity going, keep building on it. Uh, and yeah. luckily, the Bills are able to do that, too. Uh, you know, Kevin, uh, I, I didn't, again, I missed the cap yesterday. So I completely missed out on your on Meerkat's takes. What else did you guys talk about yesterday that maybe we haven't hit on this in the folding roundtable yet? 
I mean, I think the number one thing was that, look, 27 people were claimed across the league, only one bill, and the bill, the Bills have a really good roster. So people like their own players, and we've talked about that you know, immensely. Like That's why you could put a guy like Isaiah Hodgins through waivers. I mean, it wasn't really that much of a risk. You know, you lost McLeod because he played pretty well in the preseason. He was one of my favorite players this preseason as well. The Bengals were like, yeah, absolutely. We'll take a shot on a young corner or whatever. Our roster sucks. Um, you know, we'll bring him in and, you know, hopefully he can compete defensively um, and add something to it. So I think it was good to only lose McLeod. And, and, and really, if you're looking at a big picture, um, yeah. and I mean, it's got to be one of the first times in a long time, even, you know, even a little, they did a little last year with Jake Kumaro where in terms of picking yeah. up other players, um, mm-hmm. you know, this year, 15 of 16. I mean, that's, that's really liking your roster. Um, that's that practice squad's made to be, you know, adjusted, yeah. try another offensive lineman, not your own Jamil Douglas or of the world, Brandon Bryant's of the world um, on your defensive line. I mean, they got to keep pretty much everyone that they wanted. So that's kind of what we touched on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jack Anderson, a guy there, um, you know, Rashad Wild Goose, a draft pick. So they got a couple draft picks on here. Isaiah Hodgins, obviously, draft pick last year. They love Mike Love, um, no pun intended there. And Cam Lewis at UB Local, who I think is the first player up, believe it or not, off of this list, mm-hmm. if needed, if something happens with Taron Johnson. Did beat him out last year, guys, in the middle of the season. Um, yeah. The injury that they'll, they'll point to the injury. So I think injuries is a big deal for this regime. And, you know, mm-hmm. availability. Only- yeah, only Taron Johnson's the only player that ever gets to be out every single, you know, three, four <laughs> games a year and still keep his job. Other than that, it's not it's not very common that they like to keep injury prone players. And they must have mm-hmm. felt that way about Jacob Hollister, to be honest, because yeah, um, he just went and signed with Jacksonville. And he's going to have a good chance to play there um, mm-hmm. down there, down south and, and, you know, really be a weapon for Trevor Lawrence. So I'm interested how it all turns out is it was an interesting play here. But overall, mm-hmm. the practice squad looks good. There are guys there that I think the team can rely on. Um, and especially the DBs, you know, is yeah. interesting there. There's a couple of DBs there, Josh Thomas. You know, there's a couple of DBs there that you're going to see playing a Buffalo Bills uniform this season. Mm-hmm. And, and Kyle, or Kyle, Ryan, I was, Kyle, I was thinking Kyle Williams. Jesus. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> Williams in the room. Yeah, right. Bring him in the round table. <laughs> well, they look you know, a lot alike. Similar physique. <laughs> but Both yeah, former yeah. players in the league. Everyone. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right. If people follow you on Twitter, Ryan, they know that, and I'm not talking about food, I promise you. They know that you were very pro, not McKenzie. Not really anti McKenzie but pro someone else returning kicks. So now that we're here, we're where we are, the roster is set, you know, talk about where you started with that take and if it's evolved at all throughout the summer, because, you know, people with, with Andre Roberts, like that was a point of a, a nerve that it struck a nerve with a lot of Bills fans last year. So uh, I, it devolved a little bit in the memory, but I talked about this with <laughs> a couple weeks on the 585 report. Yeah. McKenzie became a legitimate wide receiver in camp. I th- at last year I thought his I I underestimated the skill needed to be a gadget player in a complex offense like this. This was part of it, and I saw 300 yards and I thought you could replicate that. And I and he had a really good offseason, really good training camp, and he earned that spot. So credit to him. Mm-hmm. My concern, my one of my other concerns with this was that with the interchangeableness or the I guess the replaceability of that position coupled with the fact that after he lost that job in 2018, the return job in 2018, he never got to sniff that position again. Like I've said before, he wasn't even the backup. Micah Hyde was the backup. He doesn't return kicks. He catches kicks. So there was obviously a lack of trust there for two straight years with that position. 
And he showed it this preseason. He muffed a punt. And I stand by with with all this said. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie was the best, was the better receiver in camp. He earned it. He'll be wide, probably wide receiver five on this team. And he might have a better year. That's awesome. I think I'm still concerned about him returning kicks. He had one really good return. He also saw him muff it. I thought McK- I thought Stevenson really looked like the more natural returner back there. Yeah. Even outside of even outside of the even outside of the the touchdown, he seemed like he had a little bit more spark. You know, plays where he was getting stuff where there was nothing there. So I'll be concerned until I see four, five, six games out of McKenzie where he's not muffing punts because mm-hmm. that that the last time we saw that last time we saw him have that job consistently, it it didn't end well for him. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, there. Of course, the the Denver return last year, or you know, well, not the Denver, Miami return. What was the return last year? Miami. I, I, Miami. This. I mean, I have hurricane brain right now. I swear. <laughs> Ever since this hurricane came to Long Island, I have not been thinking straight. But yeah, no. That 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 Miami return obviously is going to live in people's minds. But you know, it's it's more than just the splash plays. You need consistency at the position too. Uh, and, and so hopefully that's something we'll get from him moving forward. But we are, you know, we got through half the episode talking about the 53 men roster. There are 15 other teams in the AFC in case everybody forgot. I know it's been a while since we've talked about, you know, the Jacksonvilles and the Denvers of the world, but there are other teams out there that could be at least exciting this year. Will they give the bills trouble? Maybe not, but you know, it's, it's good to paint a whole picture of the league. So whoever wants to go with this first, who do we think is maybe a team that just, you know, maybe in Bill's Mafia, we haven't talked enough about as someone that could, you know, at least, you know, impress in this conference. Um, I'll kick it off with a team that I've been hyping up on, like free money football and such, taking their to make playoffs, team total overs, player props, all of that. It's LA Chargers this year, and it's mainly because of Staley and Justin Herbert. Joe Staley coming over from the LA Rams, that team. Anthony Lynn, God bless him. I wanted him to get the head coaching job here when he interviewed and such. He, he was not good in LA. He bungled a lot of games, a lot of situations, yeah. managing that roster as a whole, and they were in a dark place. So to win, you know, I think seven games last year with Justin Herbert, with how they were coached and the close games they lost, they were like five and seven in one score games last year, which is absurd, an absurd number. <laughs> Um, just to have that many one-score games. And mm-hmm. they they still saw success because they had playmakers on that team. And this offseason, they made a lot of good moves uh, on that defense, on that offensive line. They completely rebuilt it for Justin Herbert, who was the second-most rush quarterback in the league last year, and still put up 4,100 yards and th- 4,300 yards and 31 touchdowns as a rookie. He was incredible. Now he's got a better offensive line. He's got his weapons returning and healthy. He had some you know nice draft sleeper guys like Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty. I actually really liked that offense. Defense is short up. You bring in a new coaching staff. Staley, I think, is a genius. You saw what he's done with the Rams defense the past few years. Uh, The Chargers are a team I think could sneak into the playoffs as a wild card out of that AFC West, and they might be able to make some noise because Justin Herbert is really good, and it's not like the Bills completely dominated them last year. I mean, it was just a 10-point win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a very, very good football team, and they're a team that could help out the Bills too, taking a win away from the Chiefs in that division right there. Like, like mm-hmm. that's that's what you need. Like, you saw them almost lose to the Raiders last year. Like, they're not a perfect football team. There is no perfect football team in the NFL right now. You could argue the Bucks are up there, but they had a bit of a cushy schedule going down the stretch that made that defense just look 
way, way better than I think it actually is. Uh, but, you yeah, know, the Chargers are a team that I think could, you know, Bills fans might endear themselves to a little bit, rooting for them. Uh, I'm rooting for Justin Herbert. But honestly, like, I, I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I, I find myself looking at the Broncos. Like, that's a really talented roster if you just don't look at quarterback. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Minus quarterback, it's an incredible roster. The it, offense, I mean, that wide receiver roster. core, give mm-hmm. Josh Allen that one. I'm not, no disrespect to ours, not saying I trade our wide receiver core for theirs, but that wide that young receiver core is so talented, so much talent, and they're being wasted right now. It makes me sick. Well, mm. that that de- that defense is going to be like, I think, freakishly Good. elite. I think Good. that's, oh, yeah. I think that's going to be like a top five DVOA defense. Like, that's going to be freakishly good yeah that's they a were... tyrod taylor like oh, slash mm-hmm. um rex ryan combination team though like i yes. think they're gonna be good yes. but can you can they can you say they're better than eight and nine this season no I... it'll be like the 20 it'll be like that 2014 exactly exactly very yeah. into that 2014 that's team exactly that... what i think mm-hmm. of yeah, yeah and, they, and they have ronald darby <laughs> <laughs> They'll, they'll play a bunch of like nine to seven football games or something like that. <laughs> and like the, the worst part of their team last year was the secondary. That is where they completely put all their eggs into that basket. Now, mm-hmm. Bryce Callahan, who was a starter for them last year, is on the trade block. They're, that's the, like their secondary is absolutely loaded with Darby, Kyle Fuller, Pat Sertan, who they got in the first round of the draft this year. And their, their safeties are really good too. So like, that's a team that could probably win more games than they should. But I hope the Bills not, make that phone call for Callahan, by the way. I was really Ooh. hoping. I said that if Brandon Bean trades for Bryce Callahan, I'm going to start a beer snake at the home opener. And I'm probably going <laughs> to do it anyways. But, uh, you know, Brandon Are you Bean, not going to start a beer snake anyways? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'll just I'll just I'll start it off with two beers instead of one. OK, I'll, we'll, I'll do that. <laughs> but you know, it, it, a lot of talk in the AFC West right now. Um, and, and you know, we're probably not going to talk much about the Raiders. Uh, unless we want to talk about John Brown being released. Actually, yeah, let's talk about John Brown being released for what a second. There? Yeah, what did happen there? I think he I mean, just asked to be released, right, Clay? Yeah, he requested his own release from the team. Dang. So I'm not sure if um, maybe it was because they decided to keep Peterman and he was like, I can't be here anymore. And he was like, <laughs> had to get out. <laughs> But um, so that that's my only guess. But, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe they weren't utilizing him in a way that he felt he could be utilized. You know, when he came to the Bills, he wasn't a number one wide receiver. He wasn't even a number two wide receiver when he came to the Bills. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for him to go out and kind of showcase that he can be a guy that gets a lot of targets and he can get a, you know, a thousand yard season and be really productive. Maybe he wasn't seeing himself in that kind of a role with the Raiders and said, maybe I can do this somewhere else. Maybe. Yeah, it looked I mean, like, like he was like kind of lining up to be like the fourth or fifth receiver, too, because Henry Ruggs is that one. They love Brian Edwards and the work he's put in this offseason and, and, and Renfro's that yeah. third guy. He's just locked in. And then behind them, he just wasn't in the respect. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he got paid, what, three and a half million dollars to spend the summer in Las Vegas. Good for you, John. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I don't I just don't know how likely it is that he actually comes back here, unfortunately. No, he like, yeah, like I just I feel I feel like that's more of like a fun talking point than it is like a reality. There's no spot for him. Exactly. And me and Kevin and, brought up there's a lot of good receivers, young receivers who were released yesterday out of practice squads and stuff that it would just make a lot more sense to try to poach somebody like that if mm-hmm. we wanted to. If we didn't already have receivers we love on our practice squad. And mm-hmm. I'm just assuming we love Isaiah Hodgins don't. because I do. 
<laughs> don't forget the Bills are willing to put veterans on. They've they've been trying to do it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that was a play with Hollister, who's like, hey man, you want to be on a practice squad? He's like, no. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. don't don't forget the play there was. I mean, they did it last year with Stills, they did it with Freeman. They're willing mm-hmm. to bring in skilled players on the practice squad. If John Brown's like, you know what, I love Josh Allen. And if I have to wait for an injury and get, you know, make make some money, I'm already making a ton of money, like you said, from Vegas. Um, you know, if I had to make a practice squad salary and wait for my turn and to be plug and play. Maybe he takes it to be in the top offense. Obviously, right. he's going to look for that re- receiver two, receiver three job somewhere. Might not come. And he's like, you know, and Brandon Bean's picking up the phone saying, hey, man, you interested in coming over to the practice squad? He saw Stills on it last year. We'll get you up mm-hmm. if we can. I mean, but mm-hmm. love to have you in, in, as a reserve. Mm-hmm. And maybe he does it. Maybe he <laughs> maybe he does it. Maybe he can res- has a chance to resurrect something saying I'm healthy. I can mm-hmm. go there if there's an injury to, to one of the receivers or COVID outbreak. Um, yeah. In the next game, exactly. Plug and play John Brown. Mm-hmm. I and thought that, that it. Go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was gonna say I, I think it'll be. I think he'll have a very clear choice. He could probably go to a real bad team like Detroit, yep. who's got no one right now, or he can go play for a winner, which could be the Bills, could be New England, could be you know mm. a good where he's gonna have to kind of sit on the sidelines. And does he? And he'll have to pick what he values. Does he want to go and try to win a ring, or does he want to put up some numbers and maybe earn a bigger contract in twenty twenty two? See, I think that there's a shot for him to maybe land down in New Orleans with Jameis yeah. Winston. He could literally be their number one, number two receiver until Michael Thomas gets back. And then if you think about it, that's Michael Thomas, Marquez Calloway, who is everyone's favorite preseason player except for Jarrett Patterson and, or Ramondre Stevenson, maybe. Uh, and, uh, and then Traquan. Michael Thomas. Like, and, and Traquan, yeah. So that's a really good group of top four receivers right there with Jameis Winston, who – I really think he's not as bad as everybody really makes him credit for. He's the only guy to ever throw for 30-30, but like man, that's just that's that's those are just half numbers. He's gonna that's throw what the that ball. Means. I mean, yeah, Jay Boo's yeah. the man. He'll yeah. give you he'll give the ball a chance. He'll throw it up to anybody. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the offseason workouts? He's in prime form. He's getting hit with like giant ball sacks. He's having knives <laughs> thrown at him. He's lighting his feet on fire doing the ladder drill. He is it's electric. This guy's ready to absolutely take the lead by storm again. Maybe not the one way. Bonafide football guy, absolutely. <laughs> but, but Ryan, I, I, Ryan Orclay, one of the Buff Fanatics guys, someone that we haven't talked about a lot that could be more exciting than people are giving them credit for in the AFC. Yeah, I don't know, Ryan. You want to take honestly for <laughs> okay, me, so- for me, for me, it was going to be the Chargers. Honestly, they're yeah. they're another. They're, I yeah. also kind of feel. And the thing about the Chargers is, we've been. I feel like I've been saying, "Hey, Chargers might be good this year." I feel like I've been saying that for like five years now. So like <laughs> it's maybe it's finally games. time for them to actually be good and like not get hurt and not lose every close game that they're in. So yeah, That's- it was it was Chargers for me as well. That can happen. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so this is this might get me burned a little bit but or maybe i have ptsd but i i i want to i want to i want to preface it i I think mac jones is bad i think he's bad (laughs) i had him outside my top 50 prospects (laughs) but you look at the offensive line that they have the new england has you look at the defensive line that they have you look at their coach if they're a team that can constantly get in positive game script situations and just run it a million times with Damian Harris. And I think that's a, I think that's a team that could maybe win nine games, 10 games and sneak into the playoffs. And it's maybe it's my PTSD. Maybe it's just years of (laughs) Bill Belichick beating our ass, but I just, it's, 
I look at that team and like, it's not a terrible roster. That secondary is a little meh. Their pass catchers are a little meh, but if they can get into games into the third quarter and they have a lead or tie game and they're not playing from behind, that's going to be a really tough team to play, I think. And I don't think the Bills are going to run through them. And I would not be surprised if they make the playoffs. I don't think they'll quite have the roster to go and win a couple games in the playoffs, but I absolutely think that that's a team that I, I think that we maybe got a little too high on ourselves if written off that I think they might get second in the AFC East, if I'm being honest. Yeah, mm-hmm. second in the AFC East is actually kind of really wide open, and it's really just because there's so many unknowns at quarterback within this division. Uh, and and I was looking at this one article that I saw. I sent you guys earlier from the Athletic. Uh, uh, Mike Sando put it out, and he interviewed five executives from the NFL and asked them to rank every team in the AFC from first until sixteenth. And one of them decided to get really cute and put the Patriots at third. So can anyone try to, Ryan, explain that to me. I, I, that's the, that's, that's way further than I'd be willing to go. I mean, I, I think, I think there's a world where they're good. I think there's legitimately Please a world where they're good. Yeah. But I don't think there's a world where they're third in the AFC good. I think there's a world where they win 10 games and, and sneak into the playoffs type of good. So I, maybe it's someone, maybe it's a former Patriot. Maybe it's uh one of the guys in the Texan front office who clearly aren't too smart, but came from new England. So I, I, I think that's about, I think that's probably who, who it's coming from. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking at the chart. It's like they, one, one guy ranked him a three and the next highest one is a seven. Um, yeah. So like the, the three definitely as an outlier kind of pushes them up the list a little bit. Um, I mean, I think they're going to be an okay team, but third best is, is a, really really big reach and um i mean bill belichick's a defensive coach he can get you wins with his defense and i think the problem now that cam is not the starting quarterback is that mac jones can move the ball down the field you know he's he's not gonna be he's not really probably gonna throw you these deep balls or splash plays or anything like that but he can drop back and hit a guy and he can do that consistently so that's i think the biggest concern is like yeah sure i mean they're probably gonna run the ball they're gonna run a lot of 22 personnel um but mac jones can can hit people uh you know in a zone or on quick routes um against man so i think you know if the defense turns out being really good they could be a problem just because of that yeah, I mean, Matthew Judon's terrifying. I mean, I wish we played them in the first six weeks of the season when Gilmore would, is guaranteed to be out. I mean, like, I never – as much as I hate Stephon Gilmore, I'll never root for an injury, but I saw that and immediately was like, oh, please play us between the first six weeks of the season. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they could be – I think their floor is the same with Mac Jones, but I think their ceiling is just a little bit higher because there's more unknown. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I'm yeah, getting, I mean who, the defense who, 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 is solid. And it's still it's still Bill Belichick, and if yeah, Belichick mm-hmm. I, he might be a robot, but if you if he's even one percent human being, he's gonna be pissed about last year. Like yeah. he's just gotta be. Tom went without him, won the Super Bowl. The Patriots had their worst season in two decades. Uh, quarterback turmoil. I mean, he's got to come into this season with a chip on his shoulder. I know that's weird to say about Bill Belichick, but yeah. if he's a human, it's gotta be true. <laughs> you know, it's a shout out Asante Samuel Jr. from the Chargers that uh that the one of the cornerbacks we wanted the Bills to take mm-hmm. this past year said that mm-hmm. Bill Belichick without Tom Brady is just another coach. And if that's not if that's not Bill's mafia, I don't know what it is. So I think Ouch. 
I might be getting for you know what, Tom, you can sponsor this broadcast. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Brought to you by Tom Coop. <laughs> okay, I have a question. What about the Cleveland Browns? I, I'm happy you said that. What about Robin? What what about the Cleveland Browns? Well, you know, they're sneaky good. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, they've they've got it all put together. Baker is, I think, finally coming into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's never going to be lights out, but I think he'll always be a very efficient quarterback. And mm-hmm. they've been kind of waiting in the wings the last couple of years, and I think this could be their year in that in that division at least. Yeah. I mean, their defense is definitely scary. To see, and, and that might be putting it lightly, to be yeah. honest. Miles I mean, like, Garrett, I've are been, you kidding me? And that secondary is no joke. I mean, Denzel mm-hmm. Ward, like that's that, that is its group. That is a team. I've been in guillotine league drafts a lot, and I'm in another one now. And I've been avoiding Travis Kelsey in the first round because he gets the Browns week one. And that's a matchup oh. that could actually lose you a guillotine league if you take him with your first pick and don't have another yeah. one for 30 picks. Like, that's 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 a little scary for me. So the Browns are definitely terrifying. I liken Baker Mayfield to like Alex Smith a little bit. Like he's never, yeah. he's rarely going to be like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but he's capable of having those good years if you don't ask him to do too much. He's very efficient. Well, the, that, I mean, that's my question with them. My question when I look at Baker Mayfield, it's was last year his Jared Goff year where he yeah. got a really mm. good offensive mind behind him who there wasn't a lot of tape on. And he mm-hmm. kind of balled out, and then this year it, it's going to kind of be a a regression back to earth. Or is he independently a good quarterback? He did play well down the stretch last mm-hmm. year, and mm-hmm. he does got some better traits than maybe an Alex Smith. So I, I think it all. I think a lot like the Bills last. I think they're built similar. They don't have as good of a defense as the Bills last year, but I think it'll be a. I think it's a very similar storyline to the 2020 bills going into the season. How good is that quarterback? How good, how far can that quarterback take him? Can that quarterback win him games? If he can Mm -hmm. make that Josh Allen switch where Josh Allen was really the guy kind of being carried by the team to being the guy Mm -hmm. that can win him games. I think that that's where it is. Can he be the guy that wins you games? The post of the guy that you're winning games Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Who would have thought Baker Mayfield was a year behind Josh Allen. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Ryan brought it up too about the Jared Goff point with is it the mm-hmm. offensive mind and Stefanski really bringing it up? But I watched a lot of Mayfield last year because this guy is always interested me. I didn't know if I absolutely loved him or absolutely hated him coming out of the draft. Honestly, just a very confusing prospect for me, kind of like a Zach Wilson this year. And watching him last year, I think he showed real progression in his game and his decision makings that you know, led to his most efficient season yet. And that was without Odell Beckham Jr. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm kind of afraid of the Browns because I think we we saw Baker too. take a real jump last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mentally everywhere, every aspect of his game. You saw it on the field, off of the field. Uh, he, he's kind of got this thing down. I think Stefanski is the right guy for him. And just a side note. Every time I watch Cleveland, it makes me sick seeing Wyatt Teller out there because that's like oh, one of two bad yes. Brandon Bean moves. Yeah. It, it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. man. Well, that's, that's <laughs> we could use I, a nice card this year. That's, that's <laughs> the take I saw all over Twitter where it was like, Bam Johnson's going to be the next Wyatt Teller. That's very, uh, very different players. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I can see Bam maxing out at like 
six sacks in the right yeah. system or so I can yeah. see him contributing on a defense and not just special teams in the right situation, but I, I don't see yeah. him becoming an all pro. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the scary things, <clears throat> one of the scary things about the Browns too, in their offense is they're two dimensional. They have really yes. good running backs and they can run the ball really effectively. So pairing that with a Baker Mayfield that is improving and is becoming more efficient. That's what makes that team so scary. And a quarterback in Baker Mayfield that doesn't need to latch on to a number one wide receiver, mainly because he can't support a wide receiver with Odell Beckham. Like I don't, I don't know what goes on there. I'm not going to say that he can't support OD, OBJ as a, as a number one wideout. They really haven't had maybe the chance with OBJ's injuries and you know just various off the field things maybe to to get that cohesion down. But we we haven't seen that happen yet. And then you know I, I just Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are that's just an unfair one, two punch at running back. Like a lot of teams, maybe the bills included would kill to have Kareem hunt off field stuff aside as their starting running back. Like, they were after him. They were yeah. after him when he came back from the league. That was well, mm-hmm. it was well, well documented that the bills had a good running back room. So he didn't pick the bills, but they, they wanted him. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that, that, that that's true. I mean, for me, it comes down to what qualifies this category, right? You're talking about the best teams in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about just, you know, to me, the Browns would probably be three. I mean, they're three or four already. So mm-hmm. you know, interchangeable with what the Ravens Ravens. Yeah. I mean, if you look at that whole division, any of them, you know, really the top three could fit this category. And then the team I love to talk about the Indianapolis Colts, they okay. gave the bill. You were going to go. <laughs> they gave the, not the Titans. Yes. You know, you know, be- you know, better, you know, better. <laughs> and to bring up better. the Tennessee Titans. That's no unless it's Anthony Brisker. <laughs> Yeah, oh, my sweet prince. I love Ferkser. Um, <laughs> but if you look at the boy. Colts, that team's solid everywhere. I mean, it just depends what you think of Carson yeah. Wentz and right in the COVID situation. I mean, that defense, you're talking about good defenses. I mean, they're good. I mean, the DBs are good. You know, Xavier Rhodes, Kenny Moore. You have TJ Carey there now. You have Darius Leonard. Um, yeah. I mean, you have Quiddy Pay, DeBor- uh, DeForest Buckner. I Grover love Stewart. Quiddy I mean, Pay. Solid roster. Oh, my God. You have such a good defensive roster with the offense and the running game, a good offensive line we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, great running game in Jonathan Taylor. I mean And Naheem th- Hines. Yeah, and Hines. And Naheem Hines, yeah. Marlon Mack still there. Um mm-hmm. He's so, not nobody. Jordan Wilkin. No. I mean, they they have like the a ridiculous running back room right now. A good yeah. O line. Receivers are you know, a little hit and miss there. Um, but you know, we know Carson Wentz has done more with less at times. And, and times when, when Wentz is focused, I mean, he's a good football player. I mean, mm-hmm. I like Michael Pittman Jr. I'm interested to see how, how yep. he looks in that offense with Carson Wentz. It's a team to watch mm-hmm. out for, though, because and I don't Frank like Wright. a lot of teams. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't like teams in the AFC South very much, um, especially I, I just quite frankly think they could be a threat. And they came to Buffalo. Phil Rivers played awesome. Um, and team was really good with their, with their dual tight ends that we couldn't cover the entire game. You know, Jack Doyle, Moelle Cox, I mean, struggled against it all game, um, to the point where it got interesting toward the end of the game. So I, I would watch out for Indy. I think they can catch you by surprise. And it's a team that I have definitely somewhere in consideration with the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. with the Cleveland Browns. If Carson Wentz is able to at least be Phillip rivers, that's a team to watch out for. And I, I was, you know, they, they scared me a little bit um, at times. Yeah. And I think that they're a team that I'm not, I wouldn't overly want to see in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. And, and, and Kevin, I hate to do this to you, but we talk shit about no the Titans. Titans so much. And I just need to hear some, I need to hear 
two other people who don't hate them as much as you, me, and Meerkat. So Ryan or Clay, just general thoughts on the Tennessee Titans. I personally think their defense is – they're going to be like the Falcons – where they have the offense that can keep them in most games, but that defense could just be terrible. Well, I hope their defense is terrible because I think yeah. that they're they have a very good offense. So, um, in, in order for them to not be a threat, then then we're going to need that defense to be pretty bad because the whole offensive side of the football. I mean, it's just a bunch of massive dudes at every skill position. <laughs> um, Greg Thompson would be so happy. Yeah, uh, it's just it's a really just bunch of big dudes on that on that offense. Uh, Derrick Henry's a beast, and I think he's going to be a beast and for a long time still. Um, and then you've got like two of the biggest strongest wide receivers in the league as well and people don't give ryan Tannehill enough credit ryan Tannehill is a really good quarterback i think he's fringe top five from last season he played really really good football and people don't give him credit for it yeah, um I agree. but you know they're they're scary they were a scary team last year and you know we kind of we kind of had our wake-up call against them last year. We play them right around the same time this year, and I'm hoping it's not a similar situation uh, just because it's a good team. It, it, it's a good team, and they can definitely win some games. So they're one to look out for because I think they could either be really good or really bad. So it's it's kind of it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So I picked the Ryan Tannehill regression last year, and I kind of wore it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now Arthur Smith is gone, and – I think the question is how much of that off, how, how much of his success was predicated upon Arthur Smith play calling because you know you can keep the same the same system, but ultimately you know it you need it, it comes down to who's calling the plays and uh, can Todd Downing have the same feel for the game and have the same success calling plays on a, a drive to drive play to play basis that Arthur Smith had and and draw up that same success for for uh, Ryan Tannehill. Julio Jones is going to be a big help, but mm-hmm. a guy with recent injury history, not yet, he's not necessarily uh, injury prone. He, he's played plenty of 16-game seasons, but he's getting up there. He's getting near that kind of what, where wide receivers start to have injury issues and start to kind of hit that wall a little bit. So there is concern there with no other re- you know, you ha- and then you have A.J. Brown. Obviously, so they have the skill position players there, it's for me, it just really comes down to that coaching. I'm just really curious. Yeah. I'm not going to say Ryan Tannehill is going to regress. I just want to see how this offense looks, what this offense looks like with Todd Downing. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, this Steve, it's regardless of who they added on this defense, Elijah Molden, uh, Caleb Farley, it's just those it, guys are good. They're, it's still not going to be enough to carry them, though. Then, mm-hmm. so it, it especially as rookies, yeah. So not I'm not I'm not doubting them because I wore it last year, but I just I want to I want to <laughs> see. Yeah, no, totally get it. Uh, but as much as I love shit talking the Titans, the folding round table must come to a close eventually. But before it does, for the two newcomers, myself, Meerkat, Kevin, and Robin have all given our Bills record predictions. I, I tried to, but I jokingly said 17 and 0, and then Maniac didn't let me go back. So I said 17 and 0, and I apparently have to stand by it. But Ryan and Clay, give us your record predictions for the year, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, I'm gonna go 14 and three. Mm-hmm. I'm going 12 and five, just because I think they'll they'll miss out. They'll they'll lose. Some. I think they won't have as much luck in some of those close games as they did last year, but they'll still they'll mm-hmm. still win plenty of games. Yeah. Can't rely on a Justin Zimmer fumble to win you. Um, yeah, I mean it's a good point. 
I've, I, I thought I was the resident like 13 and, you know, 13 and four guy, but um, I, I mean, I could see totally a 12 and five stretch. I think that's a good prediction because it's just football, man. One yeah. little COVID outbreak, one bad bounce, one luck, Chuck, one fumble, Justin Zimmer. It doesn't happen next year. Maybe Mac Jones doesn't fumble it there. I don't know. <laughs> And Tom Cooper of the Folding Roundtable presented by Tom Cooper also believes in 17 and 0. So that is all the very No, by Tom's Gourmet Hot Sauce. Tom's Gourmet you. Hot Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> My Venmo is at Wake Jotkins, Tom, if you want to pay for just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but this does bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Folding Roundtable. We will be back next week because the NFL season is actually upon us. That's ridiculous. I didn't think that was going to happen, to be honest with you. But we'll be back at 7 p.m. in Instead of 8 p.m., just because obviously there's Thursday Night Football next week. The Cowboys and the Buccaneers going to be a great game. We're going to have some great guests to talk about that. And week one against the Steelers. But until then, Wake, Meerkat, Kevin, Ryan, Clay, Robin, and SV the Don, who unfortunately his Wi-Fi was too weak for him to stay in here. But please go follow him on Twitter. He does some great work, too. Awesome guy. Awesome guy. We all know it. Same time next week. Same place, but well, actually different time. I have the sign off that I had planned out and now I can't use it. Okay. Different time, same place, different lineup. Doesn't flow as well. Regardless, good night now. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.